Anyway, welcome again to uh, Hype Student Ministries. Um, tonight we are doing our student workshop. Hopefully you have a paper that will fill in the blanks. I will do my best to let you know what those fill in the blanks are as we go along. Um, our topic is allowing or, or how to allow gospel parenting to take place. And like I said, last night we talked about to parents, parents, how do you use the gospel in your parenting? And so we're going to be kind of covering some similar things, but from a different angle. And then we're going to get very practical at the end of how us as kids, as children, as students can glorify God and how we interact with our parents. So kind of a continuation of what we talked about, how to obey your parents, but this goes in a different direction in much deeper and practical ways. So what is the goal of being a child? What would you say is the goal of being a child? In relation to your parents, in relation to your other family, what is the goal of being a child? Yes. To obey. Good guess. You were close. Uh, almost correct wording. Similar concept. Not quite the same wording. Yes, Mason. Glorify God is the correct answer. So, the first blank is to glorify God. The goal of being a child is to glorify God. We see this concept in 1 Corinthians 10, um, verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says this. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. So, Paul is writing to the Corinthians um, to a church that was having a, uh, a disagreement. They were, were bickering. They couldn't get along. And uh, it was around this idea of food sacrificed to idols. And we won't get into all that because that's not as important. But the context is you have people who can't get along. And so Paul says this as an encouragement at the end of chapter 10 to his letter to the Corinthians. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do everything for the glory of God. This was the verse that we used last night for parents. Parents, what is your purpose and what is your goal in parenting? It's to glorify God. Kids, what is your purpose as a kid? What's your goal? What is the goal of being a child? And it is to glorify God. At the most basic level, glorifying God is shown in being in relationship with Him. How can you um, glorify someone without knowing them? So in order to know God, we are in a relationship with God. We read about God. We learn. We study. We talk to God. And that's how we learn how to be like Him, how to give Him glory by the way we live. So, this is done by faithfully obeying His Word regarding, regarding um, what it means to be a child. This is regarding um, and how we should listen to our parents. I did not edit that correctly from last night. My bad. It should say, this is done by faithfully obeying His Word regarding um, how we listen to our parents. The important the important thing to note here is that by listening to godly advice from our parents, hopefully who are giving you biblical advice from what we talked about last night, is that we are listening to and hopefully obeying God's commands as our parents teach us the Word of God. So by obeying our parents, by faithfully um, being children that listen to our parents, hopefully at the same time that means we are listening and obeying God's Word as they teach us God's Word and His commands. So, that's the first big point. 
There's one main organ that God commands parents to address in their children. What do you think that organ is? Yes, Gavin. The heart. Is it up there? It is up there. That's your next fill in the blank. The heart. So, of all the things that God commands to do, God tells parents to address the heart to their kids. So, what we talked about last night, to kind of give you um, a summary, that way you can go home and ask your parents if they were here, is, hey, mom, dad, how are you supposed to parent me? It's through the heart. So, what does this mean? This means that instead of just being like, hey, Landon, why in the world are you not going to bed on time? Like, go to bed earlier. Like, that's not addressing the heart, right? That's addressing, like, an external action, right? If your parents just get mad at you and just be like, Landon, just go to bed earlier, right? That's not asking, hey, Landon, why, why are you not going to bed earlier? Why are you staying up? Like, what's your motivation? See, that's addressing the heart a little bit more, right? That's getting to the motivation. That's getting to the inside of the person. Because the outside of a person reveals the inside of the person. God is most interested in the heart. He's most interested in the inside of the person rather than the outside of the person. We see this in 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, this is when Samuel is looking for a king to anoint the first king of Israel, the second king of Israel, and looking for someone to anoint as king in place of Saul. And Samuel is going um, and doing this and He's looking at all these people who look high and mighty, who look strong, who look physically fit for a king, and God tells him this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I rejected him, which he's talking about Saul. Well, he's talking about David's brothers. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. So here we see that God is most interested in the heart. This is a quick summary of what we talked about last night to your parents who are here at the workshop is being parents, we have to parent to the heart of a child. Furthermore, we see this, that outside change without transformation is actually condemned by Jesus. Is condemned by Jesus. That's your next blank. We see this in Matthew 23, 25, when he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, you clean and you clean the outside of a cup and a dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. And so what we see here is that we have Pharisees who have an outwardly appearance of righteousness. They do all the things that the law says, but inwardly, Jesus says they're what? They're full of greed and self-indulgence. They're, they have never really addressed the heart of the matter. They've just conformed to the moral codes that God has um, demanded them or commanded them to do. So the big takeaway from last night was parents, don't be so focused on the outside because if you just only focus on the outside, you're creating Pharisees and children. And we don't want that, right? As students, we don't want to be Pharisees, right? Jesus condemned the Pharisees. We want to be people who have hearts that are transformed to be God-like, to be glorifying to the Lord. So, what does this mean for us? That was kind of a quick summary of what we talked about with parents. So what does that mean for us, children, for you guys as students? It means this. As children, as students, we need to allow your parents, our parents, to address the condition of the heart. 
Because if they're being taught to address your heart, and that's what we talked about last night, then what does that mean for you? You have to allow them to address your heart, right? Because it's really easy to just shove your parents off to the side, kind of live your own life, give them one-word answers. You have to be willing to allow them to address your heart. So, what would it look like to allow our parents to address our heart? There's a couple things that I came up with um, that we're going to read in Scripture later that I, I think would go for us well if we followed them. So, first one is answer their questions with honest answers. Answer their questions with honest answers. So, if your parents ask you a question about something, and you know that if you told them the truth, you might maybe get in trouble. Maybe it showed that you may have disobeyed them in certain ways. And instead of uh, being honest, maybe you'd tell like what I used to do because I wasn't a great kid growing up. I'd tell a white lie to get out of trouble because I knew if I actually told them the truth, I'd get grounded, I'd get things taken away. Or my house, when I was small enough, you know, my dad would spank me. So to get out of whatever punishment that I knew I had coming, I would tell a white lie. Now, what does that do? Does that allow my parents to adjust my heart, my sin issue that's going on inside? No, because I appear that I have everything okay, that I actually followed what they said to do, and I can weasel myself out of any um, punishment that I would have received if they knew that I didn't obey. So I had to answer their questions with honest answers. Next point is that we need to be able to open up. Hold on. Next one is um, we need to be able to open up to our parents emotionally. Tell them how we feel and why we're feeling that way. Basically, what this means is no short answers. Our parents are asking questions to you, to, to me, because they want to help you, because they love you and they want to care for you. So does that help them to care for you when they're like, hey, Gavin, how was your day at school today? And your answer is, it was fine. It was good. Right. And when, when they're like, so Gavin, what was good about your day today? Or like, what made you feel good? And you're like, I don't know. You keep walking to your room. Is that allowing your parents to really shepherd your heart to take care of you? No, not at all. So you see this, like, we have parents now who have a desire to do this. They've been taught to do this. And now our role as children, or your role as children, is to allow that parenting to take place. To be honest and open with your parents about how you feel and why you feel that way. It's not easy if you don't have this type of relationship with your parents. If I'm being completely honest, I never had that with my parents through high school, and I wish I did because I went through a lot of stuff in high school I wish I could have had honest conversations about with my parents. But I was too afraid to address them because I was never honest with them through high school. The point that I started being honest with my parents about how I felt was way too late in life when I was down in, in the dumps, when I was at the lowest part of my life. And I couldn't hide my failures anymore. I wish I would have had that relationship. I wish I would have had those open connections with my parents so when I was going through high school and I was struggling with the sin 
addiction of pornography, I could go to my dad. Guess what? They never knew. You know, when I, when I would struggle with grades or when I would be like, Dad, like, this class is really hard or maybe I don't want to do this sport or, you know, I'm getting bullied at school. My parents never knew because I did not start having those kind of conversations until it was late, later in life. I didn't allow my parents to dig deep into my life. I was short with them. I told them my day was good. It was fine. Nothing interesting happened. And I went to my room and worked on homework or did whatever I had to do. So we need to open up to our parents emotionally. Tell them how we feel and why we are feeling that way. When they ask those questions, we need to allow our parents to parent us with the gospel. Next thing, don't ignore what they're saying to us. Listen intently to the advice that they give you. So, when they ask us questions, we open up emotionally to them, right? They're bound to give you some advice. Because you've opened up, they want to parent well, they want to give you keys and the biblical truths to thrive in life and to help you in your situation, good or bad. And the thing we can't do is just disregard what they say because we think that they don't know anything, that they've never been in your shoes, and what they're saying is outdated. I know that's a temptation for you because that was a temptation for me when I was in middle school and high school. Because I don't know if you're anything like me, but I thought in middle school and high school, my world was controlled by me and I knew what was best for me and not... My parents were the last people who knew how to benefit my life. And so something that we need to remember is we shouldn't ignore what our parents are saying to us. We need to listen intently to the advice that they give you. And a good way to practice this is to ask questions about what they're telling you. Not to doubt whether or not their advice is good. I'm not saying don't question their advice, but ask questions about the advice that they give you. So like this. Let's say... I had a, I was, I was being picked on at school, and it, it really hurt me. Um, little known fact, I, I got picked on a lot in high school. Um, so this is a real example from my life that I wish would have taken place in, in my home, but, but didn't. So parents asking, hey, Kent, how was your day today? And I was like, you know, it, it was rough. You know, what was rough about it, Kent? And about, well, I got picked on a lot. Like, I had students um, bully me in the cafeteria. Okay, then their advice is, okay, go, well, why didn't you tell the assistant principal, right? That's like the first thing I feel like all parents are like, you're getting bullied. Why don't you tell anybody? My pride is like, it wasn't that big of a deal. I don't want to get them in trouble. Like, I'm sitting at their lunch table. But parents are like, no, you need to go tell somebody. Because if you don't, they're going to keep doing it to you. Lo and behold, guess what? They did until I moved tables. That was another advice they'd given me. But what I should have done in that situation, some questions that I can ask them about the advice that they're giving me is like, hey, mom, like, have you ever been through this? What did, what did you do when you went through this? How did you react to a situation similar to mine? Or, hey, dad, like, have you ever been picked on when growing up? Personal experience can, can share a lot about how to respond to this. And hopefully, if they didn't respond biblically, they'd be like, hey, this happened here, but, you know, I wish I would have done this knowing gospel truths. 
because I, I would tell this to, to my parents, and you, you know what story they would say. They'd be like, well, your aunt got picked on in high school once, and she just got fed up with it. She just punched the guy back in the face and dealt with it that way. That's not what the Bible says to do, right, when you're getting picked on, to go back and just punch the guy in the gut. No, that's not how Jesus responds. That's not what the Bible teaches, right? What does the Bible teach? Turn the other cheek. Treat others like you want to be treated. So I don't want to treat you that way because I don't want you to treat me back that way. So I'm going to show you love and I'm going to show you grace. Sure, I'm going to tell someone about it, though, so correction can take place. So ask questions about, hey, have you experienced a situation in your life? And then following that up with, hey, mom, hey, dad, what does the Bible have to say about this? Like, you give me some good advice, and maybe you, you showed scripture, and maybe they take care of that. But if they're just kind of sharing their experience, be like, hey, like, what does the Bible have to say about this? Is this topic, is this situation, can I learn something from a story in scripture? Can I learn something from what Jesus taught on how to respond in a godly manner? Because what is the goal of, of a child is to glorify God in whatever we do. It's the goal of a Christian. It's the goal of a human. So ask them, hey, mom and dad, what does the Bible say about this topic? And then the last question to ask is, hey, why is this important for me to know? Now, this is different because sometimes, let's say you get in trouble, and you don't think that you were in the wrong. You thought that you had a right to do something that was in direct disobedience to your parents. So... If you think you have a right, you think you're still um, doing what you think is okay, but your parents have this rule in place, right? And they're giving you advice as they're disciplining you. Maybe a good follow-up question is like, hey, I understand this is your rule, but why is this important to you? Why is it important for us to ask this why question? Because not only is a parent supposed to parent your heart well, a great way to do that is to see their heart behind what they're telling your heart. So when you ask this question, why is this important? It shows their, hopefully, love and care for you. And a lot of times that addresses your heart and it makes, it clicks. It's like, oh, you're doing this for my good. Maybe I need to listen to you, to glorify God in a way that I obey you. The last kind of big practical uh, thing that we can do uh, as we try to allow our parents to parent our hearts well is to approach them with humility, with an attitude that you need to learn something from them instead of thinking you know it all. So that last blank is approach them with humility. What does this look like? This looks like coming to them asking questions, not to prove yourself right, but to ask where they're coming from. Asking them to learn, hey, what does the Bible say? All these questions that I went through before of what to ask them about when they're giving you advice exhibits this attitude of humility. It's approaching them with this attitude of, I have something to learn from you, and I don't know it all. This is huge for allowing parents to parent your heart, is to approach them with this attitude of, I need to learn from you because I don't know it all.
Because in the grand scheme of things, most of you are what? 25, 30 years younger than your parents? Sometimes, yeah, at least 20 years. They have 20 years of more experience, 20 years of hopefully more studying the Bible and what the Bible says, and so they can rightly give you what the Bible says and how to approach situations. They have gone through a lot of things that maybe you haven't gone through yet or you're going through right now, and so they can speak into that situation and help you in that situation. So, our next big thing, next big point in allowing our parents to parent our heart is how to receive discipline well. Because let me ask you, who in here has been perfectly obeying their parents since the day that they were born? Perfectly obeying their parents. None of you? Nope. Well, I should put my hand down because neither have I. I have gotten spanked. I have gotten rebuked. I have been disciplined. Let's just say a lot. <laughs> and so I did not practice this well. I was never taught on how to receive discipline well. And so I hope that this helps you as um, I wish I would have had someone tell me how to receive discipline well because I know that I was not perfect. We are all sinners, right? We're all sinners born into sin. We all struggle with sin on a daily basis. And one of the big blessings that God has given to us in that area is parents who know the Bible to call us out and hopefully correct um, our, not correct our behavior, but call us on our behavior so we can go to God, who is one who is able to forgive our sin and to help us change our heart attitude in that. So, how to receive discipline well. This is where you're going to need your Bibles. Open up to Hebrews 12. If you don't have your Bible, I have it on the screen. But if you have one, let's open up to it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Hebrews is in the New Testament. It is after all the Pauline epistles, which is a big word meaning you have Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. And then after all those, you have Hebrews. It's in the second half of the New Testament. If you're in James or First Peter or Second Peter or First, Second, Third John, you've gone too far. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 says this. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline, for God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and, and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, 
based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, in this passage, we have the author of Hebrews uh, talking about how um, God disciplines his children. And his big premise is, is this. If you weren't a child of God, then you wouldn't receive discipline because God disciplines those who are his children because he loves them. So what he's saying is God corrects those who are his, and really that is modeled in how God or in how our fathers and how our parents discipline us because they love us. You see that correlation between God disciplining his children and parents disciplining their kids. And what he's saying is if they didn't discipline you, it would show that they didn't actually love you because they wouldn't want to correct the sinful way that you are living. Let's just let that sink in for a little bit for those who are prone to being disciplined like myself when I was growing up. If my parents chose not to discipline me when I did something wrong, it showed that they didn't love me because they didn't want to expose my sin and lead me back to the cross, lead me back to God. And the only way to do that is to stop me, to get my attention via the avenue of discipline and divert my attitude back to where it needs to be, which is on God. So that's really what the author of Hebrews is saying in this passage, that discipline is actually for your good. Even though it is painful at time, it's for your good and hopes that it will actually change your heart and push you to God, who is the source of change. So there are three things that we can learn from this passage on how to receive discipline from our parents. One, know that your parents still love you even though they are disciplining you. And if our parents are parenting a way that glorifies God, they will parent how God cares for his spiritual children. And he cares for us with love. So when you're being disciplined, we shouldn't think that our parents somehow don't love us anymore. I remember growing up as a kid that when my parents would discipline me, when they would ground me, when they'd take something away or spank me, and what's the line that they always use? This hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm saying, right, there's no way because a spanking hurts really, really bad, especially when you're like seven or eight. And so I never understood this concept of like, dad, if you love me, you wouldn't want to hurt me. But I did not understand how to receive discipline well. I did not actually understand that in disciplining my me, my dad was loving me as he was correcting my sinful behavior and leading me to um, a godly behavior. So in those moments, in those times where our, we may have a disagreement with our parents or when we disobey and they punish us and we get really mad with our parents and we're like, I'm going to run away. Like I've been there a couple of times when I was growing up. You get so frustrated, so mad that you just I can't talk to them. In that moment, let me remind you, they're doing it because they love you and they don't, want you to, they don't want to see you live in this pattern of sin. They're doing it to help you to grow into more Christ-like people. 
people who follow God's commands to live a more godly life. Why? Because the goal of being a child is to glorify God. Second thing is that trust that your parents are disciplining you for your good. We shouldn't resent or show hatred to our parents when we are being disciplined because we know that our parents actually have our good in mind when they are disciplining us. Now, this is really easy to say, right? And this makes sense when we're studying the Scripture, and it makes sense when we're talking about it. And we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so next time I get disciplined, disciplined, yes, I will still love my parents. I will take it well. Yes, well, we may even say thank you for this because I know I need it. it. Sounds good now, but let's be honest. In that moment, when we go home later this week, and we do something wrong, and our mom or our dad may raise their voice at us or take something away, maybe a phone, maybe a video game console, I don't know what it is that they take away from you, it's going to be really easy to be angry with our parents, right? It's going to be really easy to do that. So this is why I gave you a note sheet so you can take it home, and when this happens, you'll be like, oh, we talked about this at Hype. What did we say? Right. We're going to read through Scripture. We're going to talk about how to receive discipline well. It's really easy to talk about it here, but when you go home, it's going to be a temptation to get upset and to be angry when we actually are receiving the discipline. So, this is why we're going over this multiple times. It sounds like I'm repeating myself a lot because I want you to remember this because I failed at this. And I know a lot of us are tempted to go in an anger direction when we are disciplined instead of an appreciation for our parents correcting us. Last thing is we should accept our discipline knowing that in the end it will actually grow us, that we benefit from it. We, read, we see this in the last verse, Hebrews 11. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, as I finish up here and wrap it up quickly so we can get into small groups, our last point of tonight is how do we see the gospel in this, in this form of parenting? So, if I had to ask you, what is the gospel, without looking at your sheet and your notes, who can tell me what the gospel is without looking at the notes at the bottom? If I ask you, if you summarize the gospel really quick, what would it be? Yes, Mason. Yep, love God, love others. That's a great one. Yeah, that's part of it. It's in there. Yeah, yeah, Max. You're close. Yep, yep, the first three letters is God, our sin. Yeah. Close, 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 close. So at the beginning of the school year, back in uh, August, we went over a couple different series. Uh, I think it was actually the one in September. We went over this acronym of God, our sin, paying everyone life. Max, you're super close. I think you got five out of the six. So you want to hear the gospel in a really quick, summarized way? Use this acronym, and what does this acronym mean, and what does it look like? The gospel is this, that we were created to be in a relationship with God, the creator of the heaven and the earth. We see this um, with Adam and Eve, the first humans on earth. 
that they walked and talked with God, that's pretty much inferring that they were in a really tight relationship with God. But Adam and Eve, they sinned, right? Ate from the apple of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. They broke that perfect relationship, that perfect bond. You had a broken relationship with God. And ever since then, human, humans have what we call a sin nature. So for ever since Adam and Eve, since on, we have what's called a sin nature or a desire to sin against God. And the only way that we can ever have a right relationship with God is if we um, have a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Because what does sin do? What's the, what's the, the penalty of sin? We see that in Romans 3.23, that the wages of sin is death. I think that's actually Romans 6.26. The wages of sin is death. So death has to be um, present for sin to be paid for. That's why you have the Old Testament sacrifices. And that Old Testament law is so people could sacrifice animals in place of their sin. And we see this ultimately come to fruition with Christ, right? The ultimate perfect sacrifice for our sins. The penalty, He paid it all. So now we don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to go around um, living a life that you know, if I know I'm a sinner and I haven't accepted his sacrifice, really what God requires of me is my life. And when I die, I'm also going to be spiritually dead. That there's this death that is the penalty, that is the cost of my sin. But Christ took that penalty, so I don't have to. And if we accept that penalty, if we, if we accept the payment that Christ paid for us, we are able to enter into a right relationship with God, right? God sees us as perfect again. That relationship is mended. We don't have to pay that payment of, uh, of that debt of death for our sin because Christ already did that, right? That's the good news of Christ, that we don't have to bear the weight of sin anymore, that He took that punishment, and we can live in a right relationship with God. So, that's the gospel. So, how do we see this play out in our family? How do we see the gospel in this form of parenting? We see it in this way, and this is what I'm going to close with. Ready? So, parents were taught last night how to do this. We talked about how to receive it, and this is how we see the gospel in it. Is we were created, right? We were created to be a relationship with God. We sin. Parents, and I mentioned this earlier, are an avenue, a benefit to our life because they can call us out when we do sin so we can go to God, so we can go to God in repentance, so that we can receive that forgiveness, so we can receive that payment that Christ paid for us, so we don't have this broken relationship with God anymore. Now we have a mended relationship with God, a perfect relationship with God. And that's good news. And parents help you along that path by calling you out, by exposing your sin. And with discipline and grace and gospel-based parenting, they will lead you back to the cross so you can go back, ask God for forgiveness for your sins, and so you can have this right relationship with God. And so you can experience what it means to have fullness of life not only here on this earth, but forever and eternity as we hope, and we have this hope to spend 
eternity with our Lord and Savior in heaven. Does that make sense? Yes. See how the gospel is played out in parenting and why it's important for you to allow that to take place. I can't emphasize this enough. Parents are on your side. They love you. They want what's best for you. They want you to grow up and to follow hard after God's commands. They want to raise you up in such a way that you glorify God. They're helping you to get to that goal. So they are for you. They are not against you. They're for your benefit, not for your demise or restriction. I know it feels that way sometimes, but I want to tell you that they're there and how they parent is for your good. So those are the big things and on what we can take away and how we can allow our parents to parent us in a gospel way. So, does anybody need any fill-in-the-blanks answered? Did everyone get them? Everyone got them? Hopefully they were clearly on the screen when you're going through them. Take this note, this note sheet home, because let me tell you, you're going to need it to be reminded of it. Because you all just told me earlier that you weren't perfect and that you all get disciplined a lot, which basically means that you confess that you need gospel parenting. So take this sheet with you, put it on a wall somewhere, keep it close to you so when you do go through a situation, you need to be reminded of this, take it out. Go through Hebrews 12 again so you can be reminded of those gospel truths. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for the students that are here tonight for our, our student workshop and, and how to allow parents to parent us with the gospel. God, I pray as we go out tonight that we would have a, a deeper understanding, a deeper respect, a deeper love for our parents and understanding that they are for our good, that you have placed them there to help us to draw closer to you. God, I pray as we go out through tonight that myself included, and everyone else here that we would love, we would respect, we would honor our parents, that we would love them well as they love us. God, I pray that we would follow after you, the model, the person that exhibits what perfect love is. I pray that we would have our goal, our mission on this earth is to glorify you, and I pray that we would do that tonight. And I pray that if no one, if, if someone here tonight doesn't know what that means or looks like and they haven't started that path and that relationship with you, God, I pray that they would do that tonight. I pray that, that you would call them because it is only by you that we are saved. God, we love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.